Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. We have done previous podcast episodes where, you know, we discuss the importance of ectoparasite prevention and beyond just fleas, but other forms of ectoparasites that can cause pets to be really itchy, which is why, you know, I really encourage utilizing the isoxazolines, which for dogs is going to be Sempirica, Nexgard, Cordelio, and um, Brevecto. And then for cats is going to be Brevecto um, and then Cordelio in Revolution Plus. So in different countries, there can be different formulations that have heartworm prevention and different names as well. But those are the main ones with dogs and cats that can be really good, effective flea prevention, but also takes care of other ectoparasites. And there's lots of studies and literature that support that, whether you're talking about, you know, scabies, mites, things like that. And it's really important in the workup of a protic animal because ectoparasites are controllable most of the time. It may take some time having them consistent on ectoparasite control, um, and it may take some supportive symptomatic treatment, you know, whether it's steroids or Apoquil or something to keep them comfortable, and we still have to look for things like infection. Um, But it is extremely important because, again, we want easy wins in dogs and cats when we're talking about a lifelong chronic dermatologic disease like allergies. I don't want to be allergy testing a cat if I can control their symptoms with ectoparasite prevention. But beyond treating their itch, having them on good ectoparasite control and looking for infection, we also need to think about what we truly need to do to feel confident we have ruled out a problem like a flea allergy. And I want to just briefly go over that in this podcast episode because I've seen a situation like this recently in the clinic. So beyond saying, okay, here's your medication, here's your flea prevention, you know, here's your Sympirica, oh, you're still itchy a month or two later, so it can't be that. Um, One, make sure they're actually giving it. And that sounds so silly and trivial, but I have had several clients where I look and see that their primary veterinarian sent home, you know, a six month supply of a good flea prevention just a month or two ago. But when I, and it's easy to think, okay, great. They're on flea control moving on. I always ask, are they consistently giving it? When's the last time they gave it? How did they give it? Why does that matter? Well, one, if they're truly having a box of flea prevention in the cupboard, in the kitchen, that's not doing us any good, right? And we want to rule out these easy things before we set them up for long-term therapy like immunotherapy or put them through allergy testing or maybe put them through a diet trial that takes eight weeks. So I want to make sure they're consistently giving it, they're up to date with it. Um, two, how are they giving it? Because you will be surprised if you just ask someone, are you current on Sympirica? Are you current on Nexgard? They'll say, oh yeah, I'll give it every few months and say they'd done Brevecta before. Some people don't understand or realize that different preventions can have different 
time frequencies that we have to give them with. You know, we see a lot of people here in the Pacific Northwest who just give it seasonally, and we're an area that really needs year-round prevention. So it's easy for them to say, oh yeah, I'm up to date, because they think, oh, well, it's January, I don't really have to be giving it right now, and they're just asking me about the warmer months. So that's why we have to be more specific. The other thing that's really important to ask with how they're giving it, you know, are they seeing their pet actually take it if it's an oral? How are they applying it if it's like a topical product like Revolution Plus? If we're talking about oral fleet preventions, remember some of the isoxazolines are supposed to be given with food. Perfecto and Credelio, the oral formulations, um, are supposed to be giving with food for increased absorption. And so you can see reports in the literatures of pets not doing as well or even having things like mites present um, because the owners were giving out a completely empty stomach where we really need food to help with absorption. So all of these products, and you don't need to carry all of these products in your veterinary clinic, you know, carry the one or two for dog and cat that you really enjoy and you feel comfortable with depending on what your needs are. Um, You know, we like to carry a three-month product and a one-month product. You know, if you're in an area that you're going to need heartworm prevention, there's combination products that you can use, or if you're going to have them separate, just do what you feel comfortable with. But we have to know wh- how these medications have to be taken. Frequency with or without food, does it matter? And then make sure the client knows that and do not assume the client is going to read the actual box that you send home. We need to say it verbally and we need to make sure it's in the discharge instructions and I'll bold it, like give with food, you know, give every 12 weeks or give monthly on a year round basis. Like I'm really specific when I tell owners about flea prevention because it is something I can control. It is something I don't want a dog to break out with a pyoderma just because they didn't understand how to give flea prevention. That's a really easy thing for me to fix, but I would rather be preventative, especially because we know a lot of pets who have flea bite hypersensitivity, flea allergy dermatitis, a lot of them have concurrent atopy. And so we want to make sure that we're controlling the things because like flea prevention and that flea allergy, because we already know that atopic dermatitis is a very difficult disease to manage long-term. And they probably will break out with infections with their atopy. Even our cases break out with infections because that's just the nature of dealing with a chronic disease where there's fluctuations in pollens, people go to different environments. It's a difficult disease to control. So I want to know that my prevention is giving consistently, given the correct way, so we can feel confident that we aren't dealing with flea allergy being a portion of the problem when we're managing these long-term dermatologic cases. So owners need to know the frequency. Owners also need to know how to give it. And what kind of the third big thing I want to talk about, which kind of sparked my idea for this podcast episode, because it's easy for us to talk about, okay, yeah, they, we know they need to be on flea prevention. We know isoxazolines have been, you know, revolutionary in management of ectoparasites um, in veterinary dermatology. When I first started doing veterinary dermatology, we didn't have isoxazolines. You know, NexGuard came out, um, I think, towards the end of my residency or right after I got boarded, and then all the other products kind of came along as well, and they all have, you know, different pros and cons kind of depending on where you look at them, but I think they're all wonderful and effective and everyone kind of has their preferences on which ones they want to use. But it's been so revolutionary in our industry, we don't want to have these flea allergic pets flare or these ectoparasites like scabies, notoedries, all of those other things that we can control. But we cannot forget about the other pets in the household. And that is what I've had recently in a case that was referred to me. It was a cat. The cat 
was on very good flea prevention, Revolution Plus. You know, we're controlling the inflammation um, with uh, short, short course of steroids, um, managing infection, and all of that stuff was doing well. First time I had seen the case, when I look at it, it's a very classic distribution of a flea bite hypersensitivity. You know, it is a cat over grooming the abdomens, kind of how it started, head and neck, which you can see with food allergy sometimes without a pee, but mostly food allergy or some sort of ectoparasite, and then had that whole caudodorsal region, you know, dorsal lumbosacral region, bald, affected, that very, very itchy um, when they take the e-collar off. So as I started digging deeper, how are they applying the Revolution Plus? They're doing it correctly. How often are they doing it? They're doing it monthly. They're doing it correctly. So as we start doing all of that kind of research and kind of digging deeper, I start thinking, okay, are there other cats in the household? Nope, this is our only cat. Are there any other animals in the household? Yes. There are two dogs in the household and they were not on flea prevention. And if you know anything about, you know, flea preventions in the flea life cycle, they want to be on cats first and foremost. Um, but they will look for these animals and expose other animals because these Preventions don't have repellency in them, right? Because we need to be safe for us and for animals to be around. So we need fast speed of kill to control that population within the environment. So these dogs are very active. They go outdoors, but they're not really itchy. So the owner didn't think it was necessary to have them on flea prevention. However, by saying nothing else but put the dogs on good flea prevention, Isoxazoline flea prevention, um, kind of give the list to them, talk to the referring vet so we can get them on good flea prevention. I hadn't seen the dog, so I always refer to them for the refer the referring veterinarian to fill that with whatever they prefer. I'm kind of ha open to any of those isoxazolines. Guess what? At the month recheck, cat's doing much better. Still on some steroids, but we were still itchy before on the steroids too. Two month recheck. We have tapered off the steroids and the cat's doing great with nothing but flea prevention for the cat, but then also for the dogs. So if you really, really want to rule out flea allergy dermatitis, it is extremely important you're using good quality flea controls. And we've talked about this before. Not all flea preventions are created equal, right? That's why I'm a big proponent for the isoxazolines. They're tolerated well good research behind them. You're ruling out other ectoparasites. So make sure you're using good flea control. Make sure the owners know how to give it frequency wise. Make sure they know if you're in an area like I am where they need it year round, make sure they know that. A lot of people here assume because it gets a little, little cooler and rainy in the winter, that means there's no flea, there's no flea allergies, no fleas. I see more flea allergies in the winter because everyone stops their flea control. I see active fleas a lot of times on pets in the winter because everyone stops flea control. So they have to know how, if they need to give it year round, they need to know that. How do they give it frequency wise? Do they need to give it with something like food or not? Um, and then make sure other pets in the household, I mean, especially if those other pets are itchy for sure, but no matter what, really, you should have all pets on the household. And sometimes it takes some time. You don't always start the other pets on the household for, you know, one month and everyone's completely fine. Sometimes it takes a few months to fully kind of get rid of that population based on the flea life cycle and how these products work and their fleas exposure to the pets. But make sure that everyone's on good, consistent flea control, good isoxazoline flea control, if as long as it's tolerated by the pet, which 
They're very good flea controls that most pets do very, very well with. So good flea control, everyone in the household, given correctly, make sure the frequency is also appropriate for that product that you're using. And then if after a few months and we can't get off things like anti-inflammatories um, and they're still showing us these signs, um, first of all, don't give up on flea control because again, a lot of these pets have numerous allergies, but then we can move on to other things. You know, Then if we need to allergy test, we can, feeling confident that they are environmentally allergic. But I have seen a few cases and that one case in particular in the last few months where they did came on a really good flea control, it would be easy to say, oh, there's no way it's flea, you're on really good flea control, you're giving it correctly. But the other pets in the household were exposing that pet. So make sure you ask if other pets in the household are on good flea prevention, what are they on? Are they consistently giving it? Have they had any symptoms at all? And that little tidbit can save a lot of heartache for your owners who have flea allergic pets because if we can make simple moves to avoid them having to be on medications, if we can avoid infections simply by good parasite control in all the pets in the household, cool. Like that's one of the easiest things that we can manage in veterinary dermatology. So I hope that was helpful. I know it's just kind of tweaking these little things in the cases that you guys are seeing. And these are things that we talk about in the Derm Nerds. You know, we have topics of the month we go through every month. I do an intro video of that topic. We d discuss a Journal Club article from that topic. I do a case for that topic and then we have a discussion question. And we discuss simple things like this. These are topics that you guys are gonna see in your day-to-day -day clinical practice. And I wanna give you tangible things that make you better dermatologist. So if you're considering the Derm Nerds, I highly encourage you to check out thedermvet.com. You'll see a tab for the Derm Nerds and just check it out, try it. It's a very fun community. Besides those topics, it's open-ended. People discuss cases, they put up cases that have been difficult, they put up interesting products that are new. It's a really fun community to be a, be a part of and it's basically this podcast you know, inflated and even more and basically a little Derm Nerd community that's there to help you with cases, but also there just to have these fun discussions on how we can practice better dermatology.